as the real Father Brian mentioned at the beginning of Mass, which you're right, by the way, that does not get old. I'm going to milk that as long as I can. Uh, today is Good Shepherd Sunday, and about a week and a half ago, I received a very timely video uh, pertaining to Good Shepherd Sunday that made me laugh a lot. And it was one of those videos where, like, I could not stop laughing. Like, even five hours later, when I thought of the video, I started laughing. And it was a video of this sheep that was caught in a crevice in a large strip of land. So this crevice is about, I don't know, two feet wide and maybe like four or five feet deep. And uh, I can tell who's seen this video because they're already chuckling a lot. But this sheep was caught in this crevice, right? And the shepherd is trying to get this sheep out. And he's got his belt off and he's wrapped around the sheep's legs. And he's like pulling on this thing and pulling on this thing. And Finally, after like a minute of just pulling on the sheep, like the sheep finally comes out of the crevice, you know. And the sheep, of course, is like dazed, you know, and uh, shakes off the dust from the crevice. And then it realizes that it's free. And the joy of the sheep, it just starts running and prancing and jumping and then boom, right back in the crevice again. <laughs> and the video, at least the version I saw, the video cuts out with the shepherd like putting his hands up as the sheep gets caught, you know, the, the second time. You can almost imagine what that shepherd is saying. No! Really? I just pulled you out again? You silly sheep, you know? Anyways, it got me thinking, like, man, that is us. <laughs> like, we are that sheep who, who just keeps getting caught in the crevice, uh, and our good shepherd is the Lord who keeps pulling us out, you know. Uh, he keeps throwing his hands up in the air like, again, really? Um, and it's a really beautiful image of how good our, our good shepherd is. Uh, and most good shepherd homilies focus on that, right? The Lord's patience with us. The Lord's uh, commitment to us with his love and his mercy. And certainly that's a beautiful theme and, and all appropriate for Good Shepherd Sunday. But I thought of something this year, that, a different spin on it. Instead of maybe talking about the Good Shepherd, which we all know how good the Lord is, maybe it'd be good to talk about what does it mean to be a good sheep. <laughs> um, maybe it'd be good to reflect on how we can be a better sheep to our shepherd so that maybe the Lord doesn't have to pull us out of the crevice as many times as he does. Yeah? Uh, now, the problem with going this route is that I've never owned a sheep in my entire life. In fact, uh, the only time I've ever seen a sheep is at a petting zoo when I was a kid, you know? So I don't know what it means to be a good sheep. So I'm going to do a little bit of translation, and, and hopefully it fits. Uh, I was a dog owner for seven years. Uh, I have a dog named Charlie. Well, his name's actually Charlemagne. I named him after the first Holy Roman Emperor. This is, this is what priests name their dogs. Uh, we choose weird, obscure, Catholic historical names. Um, but Charlie seemed to be a better way of calling him than Charlemagne, Charlemagne. It's just too much, right? So I had a dog named Charlie for seven years. He's actually with my parents now because the new rectory I move into doesn't really have a yard. And he's a big dog, half lab, half shepherd. And uh, he's a good guard dog. So my parents took him in. But I was his, I was his master for seven years. Uh, and he was a really good dog. And I was thinking about him and what made him a good dog. And I thought, I wonder if it's the same with sheep. So we're going to pretend like it is the same with sheep, okay? <laughs> but I thought of two really unique things that Charlie was good at. 
that made me think of, like, this is what it means to be a good sheep of the good shepherd. First is, uh, Charlie always stayed close to me. So a good sheep always stays close to his shepherd. And then Charlie always knew my voice. And so a good sheep always knows his shepherd's voice. So I want to focus on those two things today. A good sheep stays close to his shepherd. So no matter where I went in the house, Charlie always wanted to be by my side. Uh, if I was reading in the living room, Charlie was at the foot of the couch by my feet. When I was in the chapel praying, Charlie was at the door of the chapel. I never let the dog in the chapel, okay? But he would sit at the door and wait for me. Uh, whenever I was outside, Charlie would be sprawled out on the lawn getting a, a suntan, you know? And even when I was sleeping, like, one of the biggest struggles was getting Charlie off the bed, you know? And at 2 a.m., I always folded and just said, I'm too tired. But, but he just always wanted to be with his master. And I think a good sheep wants to be close to his shepherd, wants to always be in the presence of his shepherd. And so the question then is, well, how do we stay close to the Lord? And I think that dynamic's a little different than, say, a, a master or a shepherd sheep, master dog kind of dynamic. See, the thing about God is he's always with us, right? He, he's never, he never abandons us, no matter where we find ourselves in life. I mean, that's part of the mystery of, you know, Christ's death and resurrection, right? Is that even in suffering and death, Christ is with us, right? There's nowhere we can go where Christ is not with us. So it's not so much a matter of I've strayed away from the presence of God and I need to return to God's presence. It's actually more of I've lost awareness of God's closeness in my life, God's presence in my life, and I need to reclaim that presence, and so it's really about attuning our minds and our hearts to the God who is always with us, the God who is always near to us. And I think one of the ways we can do that is to think a little bit more about God's presence, right? To, to tune our minds and our hearts to God's presence in the various moments of life. And this makes sense from the perspective of love, doesn't it? Like when you're falling in love with somebody, you're always thinking about them. You're on the treadmill and you're like thinking about the person I love, you know. You're at work working on a project and you're thinking about your love, you know. You're cooking dinner and you're thinking about your love, you know. They're always on your mind. And I think to be a good sheep, we should always have the Lord on our minds. And we should be talking to the Lord and, and, and uh, asking the Lord questions about the decisions of our life. I have a good friend in Flagstaff. He's married with several children. And uh, oftentimes I like to go golfing on my day off when the weather permits, weather in Flagstaff's a lot like Denver. And uh, I'll ask him to go and play golf, and I know that I have to ask him like several weeks in advance because I know the first thing he's, he'll say is, oh, that sounds awesome. Let me ask my wife. It's a good husband right there. Let me ask my wife. Or I'll say, hey, I'd love to have dinner with you guys. He's, he'll say, that's great. We'd love to have you. Let me talk to the family, you know? It's that consulting with family before making major decisions. And when I mention this, I'm not talking about like, hey, where do we want to go to dinner tonight? I don't know. Let's pray about it. I'm feeling Chinese. Are, are you feeling that? You know, It's not like that. But it is about consulting God for major decisions, like whether or not I sh should switch a job. That's a pretty big decision. 
Should we move? Should we buy a different home? Do we really need another car? Um, you know, should we commit to this ministry at the church? I mean, these are things to pray about. These are things to talk about. These are things to bring to the Lord and to recognize that the Lord wants to be a part of those things. I also think it's about consecrating daily activities to the Lord. You know, one of the things I, I hear often, whether it's in the confessional or just in serious conversations with married people, is they'll often say, Father, I'm just so, I'm, I'm just so struggling right now. And I'm like, tell me more. Well, I'm struggling because I just can't pray the way I used to before I had four kids. And it takes everything in me in the moment not to say, duh, you know? <laughs> like, life changes you. And your prayer life changes as you start to live out your vocation. Like, the contemplative prayer that you might have gotten when you were single or dating or even newly married, like, that changes the moment you bring little imitations of you into the world, you know? Um, and so it's not so much about maintaining a contemplative prayer life in marriage as it is about adapting to the vocation that God has called you to and starting to consecrate the daily activities of your vocation to the Lord, you know? If the Lord is the one who called you to marriage, then he's also called you to bring children into the world. And if he's calling you to bring children into the world, then he's calling you to change poopy diapers and to drive a minivan for kids to soccer practice, you know? Uh, and to make sure that you're committed to your work so you can provide for your family, you know? Um, those are the aspects of family life that are wrapped up in our vocation with the Lord. And there's a real spirituality when we consecrate those things to Jesus. You know, when it's like the 10th dirty diaper we changed that day and we're like, Lord, this is your dirty diaper. I offer this to you. This is why I can't go and spend time in contemplative prayer. Here you are, Lord Jesus. I give this to you. You know? Lord, I give you this crazy drive to soccer practice where the kids are going to go nuts and I can't even think. Lord, but this is a part of this. I give this drive to you. I consecrate this drive to you. All of this is for your glory. All of this belongs to you, you know? It's about consecrating each and every aspect, whether it's a work project. Maybe there's a work project that's driving you nuts, and you're like, gosh, I just have to repeatedly do this. Just, I feel like empty here. Maybe just to stop and pray and say, Lord Jesus, here's what's going on with this work project, but this is a part of my vocation, so I give you this project. I consecrate the people involved in it. I consecrate the dynamics of of coworkers that make this frustrating. I just, I surrender that to you. It's a real spirituality to take the events of life. It's how we sanctify the world, if you think about it. All of the documents um, that the church has on the lay vocation talk about the laity sanctify the world in places that priests can't go, you know? And that's how it's sanctified. And there's a real spirituality there and there's a real way of staying close to the Lord in thinking about him often and consecrating those things to him. There's also a beautiful way that we can stay close to the Lord with visits to the Blessed Sacrament. And oftentimes when I talk about visits to the Blessed Sacrament, people immediately go to a holy hour in front of Jesus. And if you're able to get a holy hour every week in front of Jesus, that's beautiful. And there's ways of doing that. Um, I have a lot of married couples in my home parish who will take turns making sure everything is fine with the family and home so that their spouse can go spend an hour of contemplative prayer once a week in front of Jesus in adoration. You know, and so when it's the husband's turn, the wife says, I got it, I'll take care of everything, go be with Jesus. And then when it's the wife's turn, the husband will say, I got it, honey, I'll take care of everything, go be with Jesus. 
And one hour a week, they're able to kind of reclaim that sense of spending time with the Lord and nurturing that time with the Lord and, and being with him, being close to him. Uh, and that's a beautiful way. And certainly, I'm definitely talking about that. If you're able to make that possible, that's, that's a great gift. But for others, I'm, I'm also talking about simple visits to the Blessed Sacrament. Maybe you're on your way home from work and you just happen to pass by Our Lady of Lords. Why not pull into the parking lot, come into the church, and just spend a couple minutes with Jesus? Talk to him at the end of your day. Talk to him about what happened in your day. Surrender all that to him. Tell him your hopes and dreams for when you go home. Uh, what's on your heart? Five minutes can be transformative. Many of you are familiar with uh, Matthew Kelly. He's a very dynamic Catholic speaker. He's got an Australian accent, which I could listen to that dude talk all day long. I think it's amazing. But he's formed Dynamic Catholic, and he's... He's one of the most sought-after speakers uh, in, the, in, you know, in the world for, for Catholic teaching and renewal. And he's, he's written books, and he's directed other people to write books. And anyways, his, his calling to that started with exactly the scenario I gave you, stopping at the church for five minutes on his way home from work. Those moments, those brief visits to the Blessed Sacrament are life-changing, you know, where we can just be close to Jesus, who is truly present, in the Eucharist, you know? Um, this is just beautiful ways. And maybe you'll come into the parking lot, and maybe it's late at night and the church is locked up. That's okay. Pull into the parking lot. Even if you're in the parking lot, you know Jesus is here. You know, Jesus' grace can transcend walls. <laughs> just come into the parking lot. Just sit with the Lord for a couple minutes, even if the doors are locked. Just, Lord, I know you're here. I'm with you. You're with me. I just want to tell you about my day. Maybe you're going out for a family dinner. Hey, let's stop by and pray in our Father and a Hail Mary at Lord's in the parking lot before we go to dinner or before we go to wherever, Top Golf. Yeah? Let's just surrender that. Let's surrender this activity to Jesus. Something really, really beautiful about that and being close to Jesus in the Eucharist in creative ways. And then I think by uh, reading scripture every day is another great thing. If you have one of those Magnificats, there's like this monthly uh, booklet that has all the daily mass readings. You can just take, when you take a coffee break at work, just pray with the gospel and, you know, just read through the gospel of the day. Or maybe even intentionally looking for Jesus in the people around you. You know, like one of my favorite saints of all time is Mother Teresa. And every time people ask Mother Teresa about why she loved the poor so much, she always gave the same answer. It's because I see Jesus in them. How can I not love the poor when, when I look at them and all I see is my Lord? And how is it that Mother Teresa had such an amazing gift to be able to see Christ in the poor? Because she was looking for him. That's the difference. She was looking for Jesus, actively, intentionally, consciously looking for Jesus and every person who came her way. And when she found him, she loved him and poured herself out as a gift to him. And I think we can do the same, starting with our family. We should every day intentionally be looking for Jesus in our spouse. I think that's actually one of the reasons why married couples fall out of love. They, start, they stop looking for Jesus in their spouse. But it's, it's hard. Once you see Christ in this person who's an important part of your life, man, it's hard not to want to pour yourself out as gift when you know it's the Lord and when you see the Lord. You know, intentionally look for Christ in your spouse, in your children, in your next door neighbor. And once you see him, you can't not see him and you can't not love him and want to serve him. It's a great way of staying close to the Lord. A good sheep knows his shepherd's voice. Second point. 
Uh, it's amazing how Charlie knows my voice. Um, as I mentioned, Charlie doesn't live with me anymore. He lives with my parents. They have 10 acres of forest property in northern Arizona. And uh, earlier this week, I was talking to my parents, and they had me on speakerphone so I, I could talk to my mom and dad at the same time. And Charlie was outside and heard my voice and came running into the living room expecting to find me. Isn't that amazing? Uh, a good sheep knows his shepherd's voice. Charlie knew my voice at any time. Other people would try to tell Charlie to lie down. He would not lie down. But the moment I said, Charlie, lie down, he lied down immediately. Uh, Charlie knew the word treat really, really well. So as soon as I said that word, man, he ran right to where the treats were kept. When they needed to stop barking, when it was time to go to bed, like he knew my voice uh, above an entire crowd of people. Um, how do we know the shepherd's voice? Well, first of all, we have to listen. And how does the Lord speak to us? I think this is a really good question because there's a lot of misconceptions about this. I think sometimes when we think about the Lord speaking to us, we imagine that the Lord is going to speak to us very clearly and distinctly as James Earl Jones, Darth Vader. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, Lord, um, should I take this new job? I am your father. Yes, take this new job, you know? Sorry, I'm not a great James Earl Jones impersonator, but, you know. <laughs> we think that's how the Lord's going to speak, and so we're like waiting for that. And oftentimes, that's not how the Lord speaks. You know, we're waiting for our burning bush. You know, that's, I love saying this. We're waiting for our burning bush, and we forget that there's only one person in the entire history of humanity who ever got a burning bush. It's not your name. Unless your name is Moses, smarty, you know? Like, seriously. Like, we, we think that these rare exceptions where, the, where God works in an extraordinary way, that that's how God wants to work for us. And I actually say God had to work that way for Moses because Moses was too stubborn. You know? Moses was so far from the Lord that that was the only way the Lord could reach him. So if the Lord does not speak to you in a burning bush, that actually says you're closer to him than you realize, you know? How does the Lord speak to us? Well, most of the time, the Lord speaks to us through desires that he places in our hearts. And so the key is to pay attention to the desires in our heart. The desires when? The desires when we're praying. When we're making those visits to the Blessed Sacrament. When we're consecrating our daily activities to the Lord the desires in our heart when we're praying with Scripture or we're serving others specifically because we see Christ in them. You see, God will take these small desires and he'll place them in our hearts. And the more we become attuned to those desires and the more we uh, throw fuel on those desires, those desires start to grow. And as they grow, God starts to sculpt them and shape them and mold them and form them into where he wants to lead us. This is how I was called to the priesthood. It began with, in prayer, in front of Jesus in the Blessed Sacrament, a deeper desire to want to love the Eucharist more, to want to be close to the Eucharist, which then led me to say, well, maybe the Lord's calling me to be an extraordinary minister of Holy Communion at Mass. And then as I would do that at Mass, I became even more of a desire to want to be close to the priest, to want to serve the priest. And then I heard this amazing homily, and I was praying about it later, and I was like, I want to give a homily. I want to go visit the sick. Oh no, I want to be a priest. <laughs> My life is over. 
That was my immediate reaction, not no joke, you know? And then slowly surrendering that to God and then realizing, no, like, I actually want this. God has placed this on my heart. That's how it begins. It took, it took a year to get to that point, you know? That's how I ended up in Denver. I actually, my, my process of coming here on sabbatical, I thought I was called to be a monk. I wanted to get out of parish ministry and be a monk. That was in 2016. And then the Lord showed me over time, no, no, I'm not calling you to be a monk. Get out of that crevice, you know? I'm calling you to a deeper love for your priesthood. I'm calling you to a deeper love for priestly fraternity. And slowly over time, he began to sculpt and form this desire in my heart of I want you to, to live out a different way of priestly fraternity. And that's what led me to come and live with the companions. Five years later, five years later, the Lord answered a prayer clearly. See, it takes time, but that's how the Lord's voice works. God's grace works slowly over time with precision, right? God's not a magic genie who jumps out and does a little song and dance. God works from within, molding and shaping us uh, slowly with our cooperation and our surrender, our attentiveness to that voice, the voice of the Lord speaking to the heart. But also, it's important to mention that we need to avoid sin because sin muffles our ability to hear the voice of God. And I saw this quite clearly with my dog, Charlie. Let me explain. There was one place in our rectory where Charlie could not hear my voice. One place. It was in the far corner of the backyard. And we had a backyard that opened up to a green belt where people often had birthday parties. Dads would go play fetch with, or, you know, with, the, with their dog or their kids. They'd play catch. They'd play games. We had all kinds of activities, especially when the weather was great in this green belt. And we had a fence that looked out into it. So it wasn't a brick wall. It was an, an iron rod fence that you could see. And in the far corner of the yard, people had to pass by our rectory to get to the green belt. And Charlie, when he saw somebody walk by over there, would go bonkers. He would run to that corner and he would bark and growl because he had no idea who those people were, you know. And I would yell, Charlie, you know, and he couldn't hear me. And I physically had to go outside and around the corner and be like, Charlie, stop barking. And as soon as he heard my voice, he's like, oh, oh, yeah, I'm not supposed to be here, you know. And he'd come running over. Listen, we all have that place in our life, that far corner in the yard where we go, where we can't hear God's voice, where we know we're not supposed to be. And it's like, it's like a sore that we just have to keep biting, you know, or an itch we just have to keep scratching. And that is, that is like the worst place for us to go as sheep. That's the crevice, you know. And it's important to know that, to acknowledge it and name it and tell the Lord about it. Because the Lord wants us away from that corner. And if we're going to be good sheep, we can't go to that corner. Um, and that's why confession is so important, because it gives us healing and mercy and forgiveness. And it gives us grace so that we can acknowledge that corner and say, you know what, I need to start working to avoid that corner. Because we all have that place. And to be a good shape, we have to work every day. It's, grace builds on nature. It doesn't destroy nature. We have to surrender ourselves and, and commit to working to stay out of that corner. So that we can always be not just aware of being in the presence of God, but being able to hear his voice, 
so we can hear him call us to things that actually are life-giving and not the things that rob and steal and snatch life away from us. So as we celebrate this Mass today, um, let's just keep a couple of desires and prayers in our hearts alive. First, let's thank the Lord in our, from deep within. Let's thank the Lord for being such an awesome good shepherd, from being that, that, that guy who's always pulling us out of the crevices of life. And he does so without, without hesitation, with total love, ready to pour out mercy. And that is the God that we have. Let's thank God for that. Let's also ask God for the grace not to take advantage of that. Let's ask God for the grace to be able to just always be aware of his presence, to stay close to him, and that also we might be able to hear his voice so we can profoundly experience the joy of being good sheep and to make the Lord's work a little bit easier. Maybe he can pull us out of 10 crevices instead of 100.